Turn with me to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. Let's continue this morning with something, a series that we've been on for a few weeks now about the goodness of God. Anybody like thinking about the goodness of God? Goodness of God. In Psalm 34, verse 8, Psalm 34 and 8, what does it say? Oh, taste and see that what? The Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Verse 10, the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing is added. But that it would include good things, but it would include good that's not things. Good. And he goes on to talk about in verse 12, what man is he that desires life and loves many days that he may see good. So good is the recurring theme in this psalm, God is good. Today's English version of verse 8 says, find out for yourself how good the Lord is. How good he is. You know, the scripture says in Hebrews eleven six, we talked about it in sessions past, that he that comes to God must believe two things. He had, he had started that verse out by saying, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, faith is believing something, being persuaded of something, acting on those persuasions and convictions, living faith. And so uh, what two things do you have to believe to even be able to come to God, approach to God, get close to God, begin to know God? Number one, you got to believe that he is. What does that mean? Well, that God exists. He's real and he is God. How many are convinced of that? Are you still debating that or wondering about it? (laughs) Your attendance this morning indicates you've likely have settled that issue. Right? And it's, uh, somebody says, well, prove it to me. That's not my job, man. (laughs) It's not my job to prove that to you. And uh, when, when you say prove it, how? If you don't want to believe, you're not going to believe. No matter what kind of evidence is in front of you. Because belief is a choice. Faith is a choice. You choose to believe. You know, actually, people that say they don't believe in God. Some people that claim to be much more scientific than poor simpletons like us. <laughs> Their words. They say, well, you know, we, we have, and it's taught in the science books in our schools and in our universities that creation came about through certain things and explosions and big bangs and such, such, such. Um, where did that come from? No, the, the brightest minds in the field cannot tell you this. If they're honest, they'll tell you they have a theory. Why is it a theory? <laughs> if, if you know, it's not a theory. Amen. No. This concept 
that the all of creation sprang into existence on its own. It is self-generated. That's not science. That's a belief. Come on, are y'all with me? That's a belief. And people that scoff at us about our beliefs are hypocrites because what they say and they believe, nobody was there when it started. None of us, none of them can prove it. Our puny little telescopes can't even see that far. (laughs) Right? We... I mean, thank God for the advances we've made, but compared to what's out there and what we know, how many understand, we are probably less than kindergarten (laughs) in this whole thing. No, said out loud, faith Faith is a choice. choice. When somebody says, I'm sorry, I cannot believe in all that God stuff like y'all do, that's a lie. It's not that they can't believe. What's the truth? They choose not to believe it. And and if you say, well, prove to me, God, prove to me that you're real. Well, you don't tell him how to do it. He's God. He told you if you would believe, you'll find out some things. You don't tell him, prove it to me and then I'll believe. That's not how it works. He's not going to change it for you. Aren't you glad by the mercy and grace of God, he's helped you to have enough understanding to just go head on and believe? Do you understand who God is, what he is, how he made all this? No, we don't understand all that, but we can believe what he told us. If he says in the beginning, I said light be, and it was, I can just make a choice and say, I believe that. Well, prove it. You prove it didn't happen. You weren't there, I wasn't either. So it's a belief. I just believe it sprang into existence by itself. Well, that's not science. That's a belief. It's not science, I'm telling you. All true science, if it's real, if it really happened, it agrees with God. Because God's real. All of it. What two things you got to believe? He is. What, but you don't stop there. Millions of Christians, church-going people have stopped right there. They believe God is. They believe he's all-powerful. That's part of believing he's God. They believe he knows everything. That's part of believing he's God. They don't go the next step. What else must you believe? That he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. A rewarder is a reward, good or bad? It's good. In fact, the scripture talked about that. In Ezekiel 8.22, it says the hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him. So what does the reward mean? It's good. It, it has to do with believing God's character. Not just that he is all powerful and all knowing, but that he is a good God. That if you seek him, he will respond to you and give you a reward. Something good is going to come out. Of you seeking him. That he's not just detached. He created this thing. He gave it a whirl. But he's busy and cannot be bothered. I mean there's billions of people down here. What do you think? I've heard people say just recently somebody said. You know God's got a lot going on. I don't think I need to be bothering him with my little petty stuff. I mean just a few days ago somebody told me that. Well they don't know him. I said they don't know him. And like I've said before, I think some people have this idea that God is the heavenly operator. 
sitting at the old-fashioned switchboard with the jacks and the cables and sitting on, you got the headset, you know, and the lights are on and flashing because calls are coming in from all over the world. Is that right? Prayer calls from Europe and Africa and Canada and Australia and, and the U.S. And man, and God is sitting there and he's even got some, a few beads of perspiration on his brow. And he's answering this and plugging here and, and answering there. And, and he's, he's answering the, the widow's prayer and the soldier in the foxhole and, and the king and the president. And you're thinking, man, I, I don't need to bother the Lord with this. Well, no, that, there is no heavenly switchboard. I know people saying, call him up, call him up, tell him what you want. Jesus on the main line. But there ain't no switchboard. In fact, God doesn't even have a computer. What would he want with something like that? To God, a computer would be like an ox cart. It just Now, we use them. I mean, it's advanced for us. But God... Is on the throne. Oh, hallelujah. And he's not old. He doesn't age. He's not old. And he is aware of everything at the same time. Hallelujah. And by his power, the Bible said, all things are upheld by the word of his power. That's why all the stars keep burning and gravity keeps working and life keeps flowing. What kind of power is that? And he is able to hear the president's prayer, the soldier, the widow, the orphan, everybody, and help you find a parking place downtown at the same time (laughs) with no problem. You have not because you ask not. You don't know how big he is and what he can do. And, of course, he's got all his angels. If everybody on the planet made a demand on his power at exactly the same moment, He could flow out and meet their needs and exceed them. And the lights in heaven wouldn't even flicker. Is he God? If he's God, then he has that kind of ability and power. But not just believe that he's all powerful and knowing. Do you believe this next part? That he is good. He's a good God. Somebody say, I believe. He's a good God. Psalm 119.68 says it like this. 119.68 says, you are good and you do. What you do is good. The NIV says. Don't let that be too simple for you. Other scriptures talk about, and Samuel talks about this, evil comes out of evil. And good comes out of good. Jesus talked about this in Matthew. A good tree doesn't bear bad fruit. If God's good, evil doesn't come out of him. There is no evil in God. God doesn't have a dark side. A mean streak. It's not true. Millions of Christians believe he does. They might not just come right out and say it. But they believe God has a dark side. Somebody says, well, what about this and what about that? Well, you got to make up your mind what you believe about this. Is he good or not? Can you be good and evil at the same time? Does evil come out of good? Does good come out of evil? Numerous scriptures tell us no. No. 
You are good. Let, let me read another translation of that. The Living Bible says you are good and do only good. The message says you are good and the source of good. Train me in your goodness. Now, this phrase that you hear in the Psalms frequently in many other places, oh, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good for his mercy endures forever. Well, actually, the word mercy, the same word, is translated kindness and also translated good. You could say it like this. It would be in line with the, the words. You are good and your goodness endures forever. Well, is being kind, is that good? Is mercy good? It's good. He is good and his goodness. He's always been good and he always will be good. Now, there's a reason why that phrase is so familiar to us. I believe the Lord has directed it so that throughout Christians everywhere, people know that phrase. God is good. God's a good God. But... I think it's become over familiar and people think they know what it means and they don't. While they're saying God's good, they'll turn right around 10 minutes later and tell you that God sent a tsunami and killed people and agree that that tornado or that earthquake was an act of God. Well, if it wasn't God, who was it? There is somebody else (laughs) that's not good. Quiet in here today. Well, when we begin praying, it's been two or three years ago now, and believing God in earnest, asking Him to show us what's Him and what's not Him, I can look back now and see He immediately began answering our prayers. I didn't see it as clearly then as I do now, but one of the first things we taught after releasing our faith on that was the series on You Choose. And we dealt with the questions about is God in control? Uh, And is it true that for everything that happens, there must be a reason? God has a reason for everything that happens. And God is in control. These statements are widely believed. But if you say them like that with no explanation, it's not true. God is not controlling everybody and everything to do what he wants them to do. It's just not true. God didn't decide for you this morning whether you ate cornflakes or Fruit Loops. (laughs) He said, well, God was in control. No, it was your hand that reached up and got the box on the right. (laughs) And he didn't make you do that. The truth is, we really do, he has made us, and he made angels this way too, with a completely free will. And we can choose to not believe him, to not obey him. Do you believe this? And how is that his fault? (laughs) If we choose to be rebellious and disobedient and we do wrong things, How is that him controlling and making the wrong things happen? Now, I know people have a number of questions about these things, and I don't want to go too far into it. But go with me to Romans, unless uh, 
Let's get some more scripture on the matter. We've already studied and seen the scriptures that said that everything that God made is good. Everything. We looked in Genesis. Anybody remember the Genesis account? God made this. And what did it say? It was good. And he made that. And what? It was good. And then he made this. And it was good. Then he made that. And it was good. Then he made this. And it was good. And he made that. And it was good. And he looked at everything. And behold, it was very good. Very good. In God's original creation, there was zero evil. None. None. There was zero curse, zero defect, zero deformity, zero perversion, no decay, no distortion, none. Why? Because he made it. And if it came out of him, it's going to be good. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be right. Did it come out of him? Yes. Then it's right. How many understand? God's not going to make something. And somebody come behind and go, God, you know, you made that crooked right there. And he goes, oh, did I? Yeah. Yeah, you need to fix that. Never has happened. But when he made it in its original form, it was good. It was perfect. But. Because of what he made in making us, we have the ability to abuse what he gave us. How did he make us? Anybody remember the phrase? How did he make man? In his own likeness and in his own image. Now here's something we need to understand. God is a creator. He's the Creator. Well, if we're made in his likeness and image, what are we also? We are also creators. Oh, yeah. We have the ability in us, it's a godlike ability, to invent, to conceive of something that doesn't exist. Every artist does this, every sculptor. Is that right? Every painter, engineers, the car you drove over here. There was a time when that car didn't exist. That model did not exist. The technology in that engine and transmission and dash panel, whatever, did not exist until somebody conceived it. They saw it in their mind. Come on, can you see this? Then it existed inside them. It didn't exist in the world yet, but it existed in their mind. That is God-like ability. That's creative ability. And then to have the faith to say, we can make this. And search out the materials and build the machines and pursue it until the thing is sitting there on the car lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's God-like. But here's the thing. Not only can you use that ability for good, you can use that ability to invent evil and create evil. And that's how evil got in the world. 
God didn't put evil in the world. Don't you believe these folks that tell you that Satan and God are working together some way? Don't you believe that junk? It's not true. I said it's not true. Are you with me there? Where, where did you go? Romans. That's a good place for you to be. First chapter. First chapter and the 28th verse. It said that people, Romans 1.28, did not like to retain God in their knowledge. And so God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Now, the only way to find out what people's heart really is, is to give them the absolute freedom to do whatever they want to do. And then you find out what their heart is. Whether they choose good and pursue it and use their faith and ability to produce good and invent good and pursue good. Or whether over a lifetime they use their heart to invent evil. You can believe God and pray and meditate and use your resources to figure out ways to bless people and help people and relieve people or you can use your brain and use your faith and ability to figure out how to swindle people is that right steal their money take this from this one take this one's building and land from them take this one's business over is that right you can use it for good or bad good or evil well if you used it for evil Is it God's fault that that evil was done? Is he responsible? No, he's not. Well, if it hadn't made me where I could choose, well, then what would you be? You wouldn't be a human being. Huh? You can't have any real faith. You can't have any real love. You can't have any real loyalty or faithfulness unless you are absolutely free to do something else. Hmm? That's why there was a tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden, because you've got to have a choice. How's God know who to trust throughout eternity? Who's he going to use? Well, this is, this is the briefest thing we'll ever do. We talked about that earlier. This life's soon going to be over. What's the Lord looking at? He is the God who tries the hearts. He's looking at your choices. Is that right? Because your choices are showing your heart. And yeah, you might make a few mistakes, but if you choose the same thing over a lifetime, that's your heart. Come on, can you see this? We're going to talk more about that in a minute. But people that didn't want to keep God in their mind, then God let them do what they want to do. Gave them over to a reprobate mind to do things that's not convenient, it's not good, it's not right, it's not what God wants, but He lets them have their own way. Verse 29. And so they wind up being filled with unrighteousness and fornication and wickedness and covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers. Keep going. Backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters. What else? What? Inventors of what? Evil things. How can they invent something evil? Because they have God-like ability. Made in the likeness and image of God. 
Did God tell them to do that? No, he didn't. They are abusing what he gave them. They're using what he gave them to do good to do evil with it. Disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they that commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Other places talk about this same concept. Psalm 106.39, they were defiled with their own works and went a-whoring with their own inventions. Proverbs 14.22 says, they do not they err that devise evil, but mercy and truth will be to them that devise good. A characteristic of evil is that you blame others for your mistakes. That's dishonesty. That's not being honorable. You know you're the one that did it. But in hypocrisy and deceptiveness, you say it's their fault. And this is part of what's happening globally with God. People are doing wrong things and saying, God. We don't know why. You know, what was the, the, the comedian many years ago, Flip Wilson, popularized the phrase? The devil made me do it. <laughs> well, no, the devil didn't make you do it. He can't make you do it. He can tempt you, but he can't make you do it. So if you messed up, you can't really blame him. You can't blame God. Don't try to blame your friends are, well, they didn't help me. And they weren't there for me. And this, this is how you sink deeper into darkness. But it's become the catch-all. And a whole, there are millions of church-going people. And of course, there are millions and billions that don't go to church. But then of those that do, there's a whole bunch of folks, their preference is no-fault religion. The message they prefer is the one that requires nothing of them. Whatever happens, good or bad, it was somehow the mysterious will of God. Which means, ain't my fault. <laughs> Why? Yeah, I lied, I stole, I had affairs, but you know, I don't you know, who understands God's plan? <laughs> It's just, we don't even know how we got here and why and where we're going. I mean, God's got all this thing in the control. Uh-uh, no. Don't you blame him for anything that's wrong. And it's popular nowadays for people to say, well, God made me this way with this temper, you know. No, he did not. God made me this way with this distorted appetite and, and this lust for something wrong. No, he did not. God did not make you wrong. No, he didn't. The scripture says in Ecclesiastes that God made man perfect. This is Ecclesiastes 7.29. God has made man upright, but they have done what? They have sought out many inventions. Complete Jewish Bible says 
God made human beings upright, but they have devised many schemes. The new century says God made people good, but they have found all kind of ways to be bad. Who made people bad? God didn't make people bad. People used the creative ability God gave them to make bad stuff. Who invented lying? Did God create lying and deception? It is impossible for God to lie. Is that truth or not? That's one of the big reasons why we can trust him. God has never, think about this, throughout eternity past, God has never told one lie. He has never deceived anybody. And he never will. Why? It's impossible for God to lie. If he lied, he'd stop being God. What does that mean? If he tells you something, you can count on it. With your life, with eternity, right? You know, if he told you, it's true. And you'll find people of God are that way too. The more like God they are, the more honest and truthful they'll be. There's no such thing. I heard somebody talk about this one time, divine deception. Made me want to slap somebody. Divine, ain't no such thing as divine deception. I love them too much. To, I had to lie to them. That's a lie right there. Another big lie. No. If you're going to be a real man of God, woman of God, you got two options. Say nothing or tell the truth. That's it. Lying is not an option. If you do lie, you have joined to a degree with the enemy of your soul. Because Satan is the father of lying. He is a liar and the father of it, which means he gendered it. He fathered it. He used the ability God gave him as the anointed cherub that covers. The Bible said he was perfect until iniquity was found in him. Who made the devil? God didn't make the devil the devil. He created an anointed cherub. The devil made himself the devil. Who made men and women evil? God made them perfect. Men and women have made themselves. How many believe that? It's the word. It's the truth. And yet you still got masses of people blaming God for all kind of evils and destructions and atrocities. I've made up my mind. I hope you join me. I'm absolutely convinced. God is good. He's all good. He's only good. He's nothing but good. Do you believe it? He's good. If it came out of him. When he made it. It was good. There wasn't anything wrong with it. Hallelujah. And thank God, have you read the back of the book? He's got a plan to fix this mess, doesn't he? He's got a plan. He's going to fix this. Man messed it up, but Jesus is fixing it. Mm, Aren't you glad you're on the winning side? Hallelujah. Go with me to Matthew 13th chapter, please. I know we've gone over some of this same ground before.
But you may hear me go over it another three or four or five or six times. Because is it an issue among church going people not being clear on God being good? And yet people think they know this. And they'll tell you, oh yeah, 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 God's a good God. And then 15 minutes later, they'll turn around and tell you something bad that he did for a mysterious purpose. Oh, he's a good God. He's a good God, but I don't know why he put this cancer on me. I don't know why he took my baby when she was just two years old. I guess he needed another angel in the choir. Uh Uh-uh. You're believing lies. I said you're believing lies. If it was stealing, if it stole something from you, if it killed something in your life, if it destroyed something in your life, the Bible is clear. The thief did that. It was, and he's not good, he's evil. And God's not the thief. Jesus is not the thief. What did he say? The thief comes not. But for to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I am come. Why? That you might have life. Oh, hallelujah. Life is good. Life from him. Death is bad. You hear people say, yeah, you know, they found freedom in sweet death. Death ain't sweet. Death is an enemy. You and I were not made to die. That's why your body fights it. That's why it comes, even when it comes time to go, you're like, yeah, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. And your body starts dying and you go, no, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're, you're not made to die. We die physically because of sin. The wages of sin is death. Well, to say that the death is part of God's plan was to say the sin is part of God's plan that caused it. No, no, no. First Corinthians 15 says... Death is the last enemy that shall be put underfoot. There's coming a time. Have you read in the back of the book? There's coming a time when the Bible says there will be no more dying. Praise God. No more death for that. You know what that means? The grass won't die. Nothing will die ever. There won't be any cemeteries. There won't be any funerals. None. We'll go eon after eon. And nothing dies. Nothing. Mm. Why? Because death is bad. Aging. Decay. That's not good. No, that's good. Thank God the Lord can help you to overcome it. Be sustained. But don't attribute that to God. Mm -mm. The Lord, if they were his, he received them. But death is not good. That's why you don't want to be infatuated with skulls. No. Come on, are you listening? There are people, you know, you see Christians, bless their hearts, they're infatuated with death. They want to drive a hearse, wear black, and everything's black, and skull and crossbones. That's cool, they say. No, death ain't cool. Death is rotting stuff. It stinks. You want life. I said you want life. And even though your body is growing older. And you know at some point the Lord tarries is coming. It'll die. You're going to slip out of that thing like a hand out of a glove. And you're going to say sayonara old body. (laughs) (laughs) Is that right? And you're out of here. 
And the next time you have anything to do with that body, it's when the trumpet sounds. Glory to God. And the power of God flows over it. And it changes. Hallelujah. And is no longer mortal or corruptible. Can't die. Can't get old anymore. Then you'll pick it back up and you'll enjoy it then. Matthew 13. Now this is a lengthy chapter. And if we had time. It'd be good to just go from verse 1, verse by verse, because all of this flows together. But he's talking about the sower sows the word, sows the seed, and he sows it on the wayside ground and the stony ground and the thorny ground and the good ground. You remember this? Rich, rich, rich. And he went on to talk about what the parable meant, he said, is the sower sows the word. The sower is the Lord, and the seed is the word. His word is a seed. Did you know I'm sowing seed right now? I'm broadcasting. Hallelujah. And if they're his words, anointed of his spirit, it can get right down in the ground of your spirit and soul. Hallelujah. And change you. Can it? And me. His words are life. But if you skip on down to the 23rd verse, for time's sake, he sums it up. He that receives seed in the good ground is he that hears the word, understands it, brings fruit, brings forth some hundredfold, sixty, thirty. Keep going. Another parable put he forth to them. And you'll see that all these flow together. He's just saying it in different ways and bringing up different aspects of the same principle of seed and harvest. He said, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? From whence then has it tares? And he said, God in his wisdom, God in his mysterious ways has given you some bad with the good. Elsewise, how'd you know the difference? And how would you know how to appreciate the good? If he didn't sow the bad into you. Sounds like a sermon you heard. Somewhere. Hopefully not here. (laughs) How many people believe that in churches all over the country? All over the world. What are they saying? God sowed this bad seed in my life. For higher purposes than I understand. Tell me what Jesus said. What did Jesus say? An enemy. An enemy did it. Did it. Who sowed the bad seed? An enemy did it. Did God sow the bad seed? No, No, he didn't. What kind of seed did he sow? He's good. Only thing that can come out of him is good. If God sowed a seed, it's never going to be anything except a good seed. No evil in him. Evil can't come out of him. Enemy did this. The servant said, will you you then that we go and, and gather them up? He said, no, 
Lest while you do that, if you gather the tares, you root up the wheat. When you do that, keep reading, let them both grow together till the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I'll say to the reapers, gather ye up together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. How many got a spot picked out in his barn? (laughs) Oh, praise the Lord. Skip down to verse 36. Jesus sent the multitude away, and the disciples came to him and said, Declare to us the parable of the tares of the field. They said, Tell us more about that. And he said, He that sows the good seed is who? The Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. In case you didn't get it the first time, read verse 39 out loud. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The bad seed in the world. How did it get here? How did it get here? God didn't sow it. He didn't put it here. The devil sowed it. Yes, he did. Jesus said so. The harvest is the end of the world and the reapers are the angels. How many believe there is a harvest coming? And the whole earth is going to be reaped. And what's got to happen at that point, and this is where people get confused. They say, well, yeah, but the Bible talks about judgment and it talks about hell and it talks about the great white throne judgment and this, yes, yes, yes. Because it falls to God. To separate the good from the bad. He has to separate what he did not sow. Come on, are you listening? He has to separate what he didn't create from what he did. He has to. I mean, if all the evil and the devil and his bunch were with us in heaven, it wouldn't be heaven anymore. Would it? Do you? You want them to be with you? People that don't care? People that don't love God are never going to love God? People that want to do evil don't want to do right? There has to be a separation. Verse 40, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they'll gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity... Can you see a separation is going to happen? And will cast them into the furnace of fire. They'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And the Bible said in another place that he prepared that not for men. He prepared it for the devil. Because that has to be separated. But men that choose the devil and choose evil, they're going to wind up where he winds up. And that's not God's choice for them. That's their choice. How can a good God send people to a devil's hell? He doesn't. They send themselves. It's not his choice. It's their choice. But then shall the righteous, I know some of them, shine forth as the sun. Woo, we're going to be bright. In the kingdom of their father. Oh, hallelujah. Is that you? Yes. Is that me? Yes. 
By the grace of God, I'm not going to the lake of fire with the devil and his bunch. I don't want him. I don't want to rebel against God. I love God. I want to be with God. I want to serve him. I want what's good. I want to use what he gave me to do good, not do evil. I choose him. Somebody say, I choose him. I choose him. Didn't he say, I set before you life, death, blessing, cursing. Didn't even tell you what to do. Choose life. <laughs> choose God. Choose faith. Choose Jesus. Choose life. Somebody say, I choose life. I choose, I choose life. Finally, in Revelation, he describes it. We've been referring to it. Revelation 21. 21, 27, he said, there shall in no wise enter into it, new heaven and new earth, the new Jerusalem, anything that defiles, neither whatever works abomination or makes a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Once the Lord separates everything, gets it out. And it's got to be done. How many can see it's got to be done? The Lord didn't create the evil, but he has to do something with it. He has to prepare the place for it, and he has to separate it out of what he made. But part of what makes heaven heaven, no death, no curse, no lying, no deceiving, no evil at all. Oh, somebody say glory to God. In the 22nd chapter, you'll see that, and how many of Revelation 22 is where? That's about as far as you can go, right? The back of the back. And you can see one reason why this is here, at the last place. He says it again, there shall in no wise enter into it anything. 2211 is where we need to be now, I didn't tell you. 2211, but he that is unjust, what did the Lord say now? Let him what? Be unjust still. He that is filthy, let him be what? Filthy still. He that's righteous, let him be righteous still. He that's holy, let him be holy still. How many understand the angels? If after millennia, the ones that have chosen to rebel against God still are the same way, what can we see? They're not going to change. If after millennia, we don't know how long they've been this way. But you can understand, they're that way, and they're going to be that way still. They are not going to change. And at some point, it's true with human beings, too. Now, in this life, as long as there's hope and there's breath, people can repent, people can change. But how many understand, there comes a point, whether it's me or you, we have demonstrated over 50 years, 100 years, we've had... 100,000 opportunities to do right. Come on, can you see this? And at some point, it's obvious you've made your choice. And then there comes a point where you're not going to change. And if you're not going to change, and you don't love God, you don't love good, then you need to be separated. Is that right? From the good. And nobody's qualified to do that but the judge of all the earth. Hallelujah. And how many believe he's going to do it right? It's not going to please him. I said it's not going to please him. But it's got to be done. And we're not responsible for all that. Aren't you thankful you're not responsible for all that? 
But what we can do is choose him. Is that right? And love him with all of our heart. And say, Lord, I want what's good. I want what you, I want to do what's good. And before we get through with this, I want you to believe with me. People think about what the good life is. You know what the good life is? It's not just having a bunch of stuff. It's doing good. That's the good life. We're going to talk about that. You want to talk about that? Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.